When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply change at the speed of exponents. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Azim Azar, entrepreneur and author. Welcome Azim. Uh, Tanya, it's great to be here. Thank you. Give us a quick summary of your professional background, Azim. Well, I am part nerd, uh, part non-nerd. Uh, so I, I've loved computers since I was a child, but I ended up doing politics and economics at, at college at university. And I graduated just at the time that the internet was becoming a thing in 1994. And so I was really, really lucky in being able to go into organizations that were thinking about the internet, but didn't know what to do. And I did everything from writing uh, content management systems to building websites in the mid nineties. And having done that for uh, a few years, and at the same time, of, I, was, I was a journalist, I then started to move into being a, a founder and an investor in internet companies at exactly the wrong time, the dot-com bubble. For those of you who remember, I sort of showed up just after the market peak, and that was a little bit hilarious. Uh, and then I spent about 15 years uh, building uh, internet products and internet companies, mostly in my own startups and sometimes for large companies and those sort of corporate incubators that were very fashionable a few years ago. Uh, and for the last five years, after I sold my last company, I have been writing a newsletter, creating a podcast uh, called Exponential View. And then I've been investing on the side. And then most recently, as part of that, I produced this book, uh, The Exponential Age. Quite a lot there, quite a, quite a history. And it's certainly, uh, you can see that uh, from the book itself. In fact, your book, The Exponential Age, is due to hit the shelves shortly. Why, yes, that's right. Why is this book so important in understanding much of what's actually happening around us today? Well, the reason it's important is that uh, I think we have moved into a new uh, a new period, a period that is very distinct to the 20th century uh, later industrial age. It's an age I call the exponential age. And it's distinct because there are these new technologies, incredibly powerful. You and your listeners are familiar with computing and AI and Moore's law, but there are other technologies that have that same exponential rate of improvement. And all those technologies are coming together and they are redefining the world. They're redefining the winners in business and they're redefining how our societies will operate. Uh, and the reason it's important to understand that, that now and understand the technology very deeply is because it's going to affect the way we live our lives over the next 30, 50, and 100 years. What are some examples of those uh, exponential technologies you refer to? Well, I mean, the, the best example, of course, is computing. And, and what I mean by uh, an exponential technology is one which improves on, this, on a dollar cost basis by more than 10% every year. So that means every year you get 10% more bang for your buck, but that compounds. So the, the year after you get 10% of 110% and it keeps building up. Over the course of many years and many decades, those gains become enormous. And the story of the tech industry has been that Moore's law, which described 
the fact that every year you got about 40 to 41% more computing for the same dollar explains why our iPhones are more powerful than the world's most powerful supercomputers only 10 or 15 years ago. If we move into a couple of other domains in the area of biology, we're seeing a similar uh, pattern uh, occurring. If we think of the art of reading the human genome, we read the first human genome back at the turn of the millennium, about the year 2000. It cost, depending on who you ask, between $300 million and a billion dollars to read that first genome. And the cost of genome sequencing has declined far faster than the cost of computing power. And today you can sequence a human genome for around about $1,000, maybe a little bit less. And so that's very much another exponential technology. And in the, the field of biology, there are a number of others. But we can even go to the really heavyweight field of energy. And you can look at something that's really important as we decarbonize our economies, lithium ion batteries. Now, the price of lithium ion batteries, which we need for storage, has been declining by about 19% a year for pretty much the last couple of decades. That's another exponential shift. And the thing is that the compounding that we see, it's so much higher than the savings rates we get from, from our, our banks, um, has this incredible effect on the affordability and the way in which we can apply these technologies in the world. For so much of human history, change was measured in centuries or decades. Today, it's measured by quarterly results or operating system versions. Are humans even wired to handle change at an exponential rate? We are absolutely not wired uh, for it. Uh, and there's no place in nature where we run into uh, exponential uh, changes with the exception, of course, as we all now know, in pandemics, when a virus can spread through a population for a short period of time at that rate. But we simply don't, don't see it in our in our day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year. So even those most tremendous technologies like the printing press or, or the car took decades to really make their mark. And yet we're now at this point where the change happens so rapidly. In fact, when I started writing the book proposal, TikTok wasn't a thing. By the time I finished the first draft, yeah, the US government was getting worried by, about TikTok. By the time the third draft went in, they were really worried about TikTok. And when the book comes out uh, on September the 7th, TikTok will be the most downloaded app in the world, bigger even than Facebook. And so that is the nature of what we have to contend with. And the scientists have looked at this, psychologists, and they've said, well, listen, are we even wired to manage this? And there's a lot of evidence. I go into it in quite a lot of detail in the book to, to demonstrate that we're not well wired and we constantly misjudge these sort of exponential rates. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
In fact, you spend some time in the book discussing the power of social platforms. You mentioned TikTok, Facebook, and Mark Zuckerberg in particular. Mm. You also discuss the relationship, if you will, between regulators and technologists. I, I watched, as many did, the first hearing where Mark Zuckerberg went in front of Congress. Mm-hmm. And let's just say, in my opinion, our elected fish representatives did not distinguish themselves with their questions. <laughs> Is it folly to think that government will ever be able to effectively regulate the gap between tech and society in general? I don't think it's folly. I do think like you, I was shocked. I mean, I dropped my pen uh, a number of times when I was watching uh, the kind of questions he was, uh, Zuckerberg was being asked. And it's as true as it is in, in, in the US as it is in many other uh, countries. Uh, I think what we need to do is we have to understand how the technology operates. And one of the things I'm trying to do in the book is to explain not the symptoms, and the symptoms are the fake news, the misinformation, the anti-vax stuff, what looks like bad monopolistic behavior, but to understand how do these amazing technologies, which change so rapidly, turn into products and turn into services that make it then really hard for the way in which we, we regulate and legislate the world to, to work. And if you understand that process, I think you're like a doctor who doesn't treat the symptom, you find the root cause. And I hope that books like The Exponential Age and, and others will help regulators and legislatures really understand what, what's going on. But the truth, of course, is that it's one thing to hope that a, a regulator does that. That's someone who's not very political. A legislator who is political uh, has a whole b- bunch of other things they're worrying about. But for all the talk of exponential gaps and growth, are there some maybe absolute values and standards on which the a stable society must depend or should everything be relative? Well, I think that we have to be very sensitive to um, the different cultural and social contexts in, in, in countries. So in the US, for example, uh, freedom of speech uh, uh, is a, an enshrined right that matters a lot. Whereas in Germany, while people care about freedom in, of, of speech, they're very worried about extreme speech because of their historical context. But I think there are some common values that, that matter. And I talk about, about three. Um, I talk about the idea of of commonality. One of the most beautiful things that's happened in the technology industry has been open source, it's been Wikipedia, it's been the protocols of the internet that were not owned by anyone. They were put in the public domain and self-governed for us to benefit from. And, And that idea of commonality, shared goals has been so powerful. It's what's enabled these amazing companies from Salesforce to Cloudflare to Microsoft to, to Facebook. And I think we can do something with that. I think the other two values that are important that we haven't perhaps thought enough of um, are resilience, the idea that at moments of really incredible change, if you've thought a little bit about resilience, you haven't paired your company, your product, your organization to the bone, it can deal with surprising changes. And that's not just a pandemic thing. It's just that in a fast changing world, stuff comes at you really, really quickly. Uh, and, then, and then the third thing is, which I think tech companies are rather good at already is flexibility. The ability to be agile in the shape of face of rap, rapid changes. I mean, Facebook is an incredibly agile company. It, it, you know, it's made so many mistakes and still it succeeds. Uh, Microsoft was, was written out and is now this great, amazing, remarkable company. So some things tech companies do very well, um, some things they, they don't, and the wider participants in the economy 
don't either. But that idea of thinking about the values of commonality, resilience and flexibility, I think will help us bridge the gap somewhat. Better, better time, no better time than now, I should say. Um, Azim, where can we find or maybe uh, get a pre-order of your book right now? Yeah, I would love pre-orders. My mum would love you to pre-order the book as well. Uh, you can find it at uh, www.exponential-book.com. And, you know, depending on geography, it'll it'll send you to the right place. Uh, and of course, uh, I would love you to, to pre-order that before September the 7th. Sounds good. Azim Azar, entrepreneur and author of The Exponential Age. If somebody wants to connect with you, Azim, maybe they want to listen to your podcast. What's the best way they can do that? Well, my podcast is uh, called Exponential View, and you can find it on you know, Spotify and your podcast platform of choice. Uh, and uh, if you want to find me on social media, the best place is Twitter, because I'm of that age. It's Twitter for me. Uh, and uh, the handle is at Azim, A-Z-E-E-M. Sounds great. Thanks again for joining me, Azim. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. And you can find and subscribe to more interviews of mine uh, right here or on all the major podcast platforms under the Tanya Hall Innovation Show or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.